Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Manifesting Brilliance, Living Your Authentic Life podcast. My name is Jerome Emhoff. I'm your host, and I'm really pleased to welcome you to our conversation tonight. Uh, it's I'm recording this podcast from my home in Palm Springs on July 2nd, 2020. And as you know, um, I'm, I'm at home, I'm sitting in my office, and so it, not in a recording studio. So you might hear some background sounds uh, from my household, uh, just normal sounds of a household. You might hear sounds from the street on which I live. And uh, that's just sort of the low-tech nature of this podcast, but hopefully uh, the ideas I'm sharing are of value and of interest. Um, speaking of noises, I can hear my Boston Terrier Queenie, who's sleeping on the futon next to me, snoring. Um, so you probably, uh, might, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if my microphone will pick that up or not, but if you hear that strange rumbling, that's what it is. Uh, July 2nd, 2020. Today in America, we had more than 50,000 new cases of COVID-19. We were hoping that we were flattening the curve in terms of new infections, but we've not been successful in doing that. Uh, wearing masks has become a political statement, more so than a, a... I think people who are wearing them are doing so because they want to protect other people. I'm wearing my mask when I go out. Um, I hope you are too. But in some parts of the country, it's becoming a political statement more than a... a um, public health concern. Uh, we also are, you know, the 4th of July is two days away, and it's really interesting to be thinking about the 4th of July and what that what we celebrate with the uh, Declaration of Independence, which begins, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And in our country, we have 400 plus years of systemic racism and a culture that has not considered people of color as equals. And we have had people in the last few weeks, as you know, taking to the streets and protesting, um, really speaking about Black Lives Matter as a movement. And it's interesting to see history unfold. Uh, I'm thrilled to know that uh, the officers who are responsible for the murder of George Floyd, which was sort of the inciting incidents to a lot of the... I mean, it's been going on for years, but that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of uh, people really waking up and, and standing for equality. Um, those The four officers responsible for his murder are being held accountable. They're going to be tried for murder, which is good. And um, so that's sort of this histor you know, historical perspective, for lack of a better way of saying it, uh, that we're in right now as I'm recording this podcast. Um, as always, um, before we begin, I'd like to start with a meditation. And so if it's safe for you to do so, please close your eyes. And as we always do, place your right hand over your heart and your left hand over your right hand. The reason we do this is so that we can feel our, and you can feel your heart beating and you can feel your, your lungs working and it's just a really great way to sort of be present in our bodies. Um, 
we know from a spiritual perspective, we aren't bodies. We're actually spirits and we, you know, our body is a vehicle, but our body is really a, a beautiful, wonderful gift. Um, and so just to be present in it and to honor it is, can be a very spiritually grounding, um, can just be spiritually grounding. I'll say it that way. So please take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, just release any worries, any fears, any concerns. Just set those aside for this hour so you can be fully present for our conversation. And then take another deep inhale in. Being aware of this moment as what the Course in Miracles calls the Holy Instant. It's called the Holy Instant because it's the only time in which linear time, or our time on this physical plane, intersects with eternity, with God's time. We only have this moment. That's it. We only ever live in the present. And so as you exhale, allow yourself to become fully present in your body, feel yourself sitting in your chair. Go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there may be in silence as far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even to the dull and to the ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter. For always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere, life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years. Gracefully, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. 
you have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul with all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams. It is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. Those words were written by Max Ehrman. The poem is called Desiderata, and uh, it's been around since 1927. And uh, it's been a favorite of mine ever since I read it for the first time. My friend Christine, who was my next-door neighbor growing up, uh, her mother had a copy of it framed um, on the wall of their home. And I never really paid attention to it. I was over there all the time. But uh, when I was in college, I was house-sitting for them and taking care of their dog, Max. And I had my journal with me because that's one of my rituals is to write in my journal um, pretty much daily. And so I had my journal with me and I sat in the hallway and I copied down the words of that poem into my journal uh, because it suddenly had uh, dawned on me how beautiful it was. And uh, that, you know, when you're a young kid, you see things and it's like no big deal. In my college years, it was like really profound and it remains a favorite of mine. Today's topic is the power of thought and we're going to talk specifically about the power of loving thought. And before we dig into the topic, and sort of maybe even as a precursor, because it is related, I want to talk a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement, and how I see it in some ways from a spiritual perspective. So, I'm not a person of color, um, and I grew up in a, a community uh, that was largely Caucasian, Um I don't know what it's like to be a person of color. I don't know what it's like to um, to endure uh, that kind of racism. Um, as a gay man, I do know what it feels like to be marginalized on some level, but I don't think I can compare my life experiences to that of African Americans or other people of color, and especially black Americans who have been the victims of systemic racism for 400 plus years. African Americans came to this country as slaves. Their ancestors did. They were brought here against their will, forced into labor, treated horrendously, owned by other human beings, which I can't even wrap my brain around how that works. Why anyone thinks that's thinks that that's uh, uh, the right thing to do at all. And then we all know the history. Slavery and Jim Crow and and systemic racism that continues even today, disparity in wages, disparity in opportunity, uh, school systems that are inferior, uh, segregation, even though we've sort of, we, you know, Brown versus the Edu- uh, Board of Education ended segregation in the schools, but we still have um, uh, visages you know, vestiges, is that the word? Uh, We still have uh, 
incidences of uh, segregation. It's ridiculous to think not. So, but that, as a white man, I don't, you know, I can't really speak to what it feels like. I can imagine, but it, my in my imagination, it's probably not even close to how it feels. Um, so I want to talk about it from a spiritual perspective. And I was reading Marion Williamson's book, uh, Tears to Triumph, and which is a really beautiful book and one of her best. And in it, she talks about, she uses the term spiritual ignorance. And I thought, what, you know, what is spiritual ignorance? And so from the, the perspective of, of A Course in Miracles, we know that there are two sort of overarching two types of thought. We either think from a, we, we either have a thought system that's based on love or we have a thought system that's based on fear. And most of us have both. There are times when we think loving thoughts and there are times when our thoughts are motivated by fear, which is our ego mind, the, the mind that's really uh, ruled by things of this physical plane. Loving thought is God thought that's ruled by by heaven, and then on this physical plane, it's the ego mind, and, and that's fearful thought. So any thought that is not loving is a fear-based thought. So by definition, racism is a fear-based thought. The Course in Miracles says that the only only thing that's real, the only uh, the only thing that's real is love. And when we're thinking loving thought, our mind is aligned with God's mind, and that's when we're thinking from our right mind, from the right state of mind, loving thought. So by definition, racism is wrong thought. It's thought based on fear, and therefore it's spiritual ignorance. And so I was spending a lot, you know, some time in writing in my journal about spiritual ignorance and how much it shows up. Because if you think about where, you know, like, we have racism all over this country, but the Deep South, lots of racism in the Deep South, which is also the Bible Belt, oddly enough. So we have these, you know, these white Americans, these church-going people who are also... You know, the the slave owners were probably church-going people who owned other human beings as property, thinking they're God-fearing, good Christians, owning other people. Wrap your brain around that. Spiritual ignorance. So, let's just lay it on the line. It's the year 2020. We've been at this life as humans for many, many millennia. Life on this planet has existed. There, the human race has existed for many thousands of years in some form. Why don't we get it yet in the year 2020? Why are we so spiritually ignorant? So I'm going to spell it out for you. It's time to let go of spiritual ignorance and to say every person on this planet is my brother or my sister. Even beyond that. They're not just my brother or sister. They are me. All minds are connected. All of us were created from the same, by the same God. We were created by the same source who breathed his life, God's life, 
God breathed God's spirit into us. We all move and breathe and have our being in the same spirit. Therefore, we're all one. And to see anything else, for whatever reason, is spiritual ignorance. You're allowing yourself to believe a lie. And to me, believing a lie is the height of ignorance. We know it's a lie, but we buy into it anyway. Ignorant. Spiritual ignorance. So, let's just lay it on the line. In the year 2020, let's release these fear-based thoughts. So, I'm going to make it very clear for you. It is spiritually ignorant for you to believe that the color of anyone's skin means anything other than the presence of a particular pigment. That's it. The color of someone's skin doesn't signify anything. It has nothing to do with their intelligence. Nothing. It just means they have a different pigmentation than I do. That's it. It is ignorant for you to believe, spiritual ignorance to believe, that God favors one group of people over another group of people because they read or study a particular spiritual text or because they pray in a certain way. So let's get off of this notion that Christianity is somehow superior to other religions or no religion at all. God does not love you more because you read the Bible and sit in the pews in a church on Sunday. He doesn't love you more. He doesn't favor you more. You don't have something special going on with God because you do that. Nor do you have something special going on with God because you read the Quran. We're all the same. God loves us equally. He created all of us from the same substance, breathed his blood, his life into us for everyone. And please forgive me that I'm using the male pronoun his for God. That's deeply ingrained in me growing up in the Catholic Church, growing up Christian. Um, We can all agree that God has many faces, God has many names, and God is spirit and is, is genderless. I use the male pronoun because that's what I'm used to. So forgive me. If that bothers you, just substitute it in your mind. Okay. It is ignorant to believe that God dislikes people who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, non-binary, gender fluid, queer, whatever. This notion that God hates fags You're allowing yourself to believe a lie. That is spiritual ignorance. God loves everyone. It's also spiritual ignorance to believe that there's only one path to spiritual enlightenment. When you stop to think about how diverse we are, how diverse our culture is, how diverse... uh, just even in diversity of the the living beings in the ocean. There there are organisms, there are living organisms that we haven't even discovered yet, and all of that's the handiwork of God. 
And all of us are so vastly different. You are an unrepeatable, unrepeatable miracle. No one else in this, on this planet will ever be like you. Why do we believe that God, who is so expansive and who created us so diverse, would say, oh, but there's only one way for you to get to heaven or to have enlightenment or to be saved. That is spiritual ignorance. That is not understanding who God is, what it means to love. So, let's put that all to rest. Okay? Uh, because at the end of the day, we're all the same. All are one. We were all created by God. You know, we were created in the image and likeness of God. We're ideas in the mind of a God, and an, an idea doesn't leave its source. Um, and so, we need to see ourselves as God sees us. God doesn't see us as different. He sees us all as the same. He sees us as all extensions of himself. And so it's time for us to embrace that truth and release these false beliefs because they're lies. And believing a lie is really spiritually ignorant. And it's time. It really is time on planet Earth that we learn to love one another. Fearlessly. Fiercely radically. So let's do this experiment. The next time you're walking through the supermarket, which is the only place I'm going these days, right? Because of COVID-19. Um, next time you're in the supermarket and you're walking down the aisles, see every person as an extension of yourself. Oh, I had to take a swallow of tea. See every person as an extension of yourself. Every person you meet is God in drag. It's just true. Okay. So, the power of thought. This is really exciting to me. Um, I have a lot to share, and hopefully we'll get through all of it. Um, thought is creative. In fact, if you read the creation story in the Bible, you know that God existed. God always existed. God, was, God just is. It's never created. wasn't created just is. Wrap your brain around that. And God created things via thought. And in the Bible, it describes the fact that God said, let there be light, and there was. And he said, let there be earth, let there be land, and let there be water, and let there be swimming creatures. And let us make man in our own image. He spoke these things into being. And it all began first with a thought, because thought always precedes word. We don't say something without first thinking it, right? So it all starts with thought. We think something, and then we speak it. And that's how God created the, the, the world. The same thing goes, the same thing's true for everything that's ever been created. The chair you're sitting in, the, the home you live in. As human beings, we first have the idea of the chair or the home. We see it in our mind's eye. We have the idea, and then we create it in using whatever materials we have at our access, right? That we have at our fingertips, that we have access to. We create form. So all of the 
creation stories um, are pretty much the same. Um, the Hindu creation story talks about um, the uh, Lord Vishnu, who was, there was no heaven, there was no earth, there's and no space between them, there's just this vast dark ocean, um, which washed up upon the shores of nothingness. And Lord Vishnu is being, is sleeping kind of in the coils of this big serpent. And then he calls to Brahma, who is the, uh, the god of creation. And Lord Vishnu says to his servant, Brahma, it is time to begin, create the world. And then Brahma creates the world. So again, Lord Vishnu speaks to Brahma, and Brahma creates the uh, the world. The same thing is true um, in the Islam tradition. It uh, you know it talks about um, the same thing that Allah spoke, and um, and and. And that's how creation began. It was an idea, and he spoke the words. And and even, um, I think if you dig deeply into uh, creation stories of indigenous peoples and Native Americans, you'll probably see something similar. Maybe not necessarily this whole notion that of, of the thoughts and, and speaking, but certainly the way man was created uh, to have a special relationship with God. And that's the other piece of this, right? So God created man, created Adam and Eve, um, first created Adam and then breathed into him, right? Breathed his life. God breathed God's life into Adam. And that's how we have a spirit and spirit, um, uh, respiration, breathing, the same root, right? So God breathes his spirit into us and then we're created in his image and likeness. And so we have the same creative power. Um, the latent energies of the divine power live within us. And we are the only species on the planet with the imagination we can select the images that we hold in our minds. We have the power to do that. We have dominion over the thoughts that we entertain. And those thoughts are creative. But our creative power to create our experience comes from that thought. It's from the, our ability to imagine what we want to think about. And, you know, I can be um, in a really sort of sad and desperate place and I can entertain those thoughts. Or in that moment, I can ask God for the miracle and say, help me see this as you see it. And I can shift my energy by shifting my thoughts. And I can shift my reality by shifting my thoughts and by seeing things differently. I have the capacity to do that as a human being. No other animal does. I don't think my dog can choose. He doesn't have an imagination. Harvey and Queenie, as much as I love them, they're the most amazing dogs on the planet. They don't have the power of imagination. We do. And all of our thought creates form on some level. The Course in Miracles teaches us that. The uh, Law of Attraction teaches us that. That thought creates form on some level. And we'll talk in a minute about how that works. But let's talk about 
sort of this the flow chart of how thoughts um, th- our thought process. So everything begins with thought. So we think the thought and we rehearse the thought. So uh, so thinking, let's say thinking, let's I'm going to talk a little bit about a negative thought because sometimes I think it's easier an easier example. If I continue to rehearse thoughts of poverty and lack of resources, I think that thought, life is a struggle, there isn't enough to go around. It's really hard to, to have abundance and prosperity. I think that thought, and I rehearse that thought. Eventually, that rehearsed thought, the thought I keep thinking over and over and over again, becomes a belief. Okay? We relate to our beliefs as if they are true. Beliefs aren't... Beliefs, we, we attach truth to them, but they aren't necessarily true in the same way that a, a scientific fact is true. Like, we can agree that 2 plus 2 is 4. That is true. That's empirically... We can test that empirically. We have evidence of that. H2O is the chemi- chemical formula for water. We know that. It's scientific. That is true. That is never going to change. Belief is different because belief is malleable. It's not... It's not scientific. Now, we know that our world is governed by love and that the universe is set up for prosperity and abundance uh, and our well-being and joy and love. So that's the truth. That's truth with capital C. That's the belief system we want to entertain, right? Because that's the, the divine truth. That's the spiritual truth. So, we think the thought, we rehearse the thought, life is tough, life is tough, life is tough. That becomes our belief. And because we have this creative imagination power, that is the same power that God used to create the universe, as we think that thought, life is tough, life is tough, that becomes our reality, it becomes our experience. And we will see evidence of it all over. Think to your, think back to people you know who are always sick. They're always sick. And it doesn't matter. I mean, they can go to the doctor a million times. They can get the best medicine. But they just have convinced themselves. The thought pattern is, I don't feel well. I rehearse that thought over and over again. It becomes a belief. That belief then becomes my reality. And the more I experience it in my reality the more it reinforces the belief and then reinforces the thought. So it's all connected. We can change it at the level of thought. That's where we change it. It's like turning on a light, having a different thought. We, a, a belief is just a thought, and a thought can be changed. We have the capacity to change our thoughts. But so the person who's thinking that they're sick all the time is going to experience that in their reality. And oftentimes we don't believe that we have the power to change our thoughts, but we absolutely do. And then we have outside influences that can sort of, uh, you know, as children, our parents tell us certain things and we, we take those thoughts on ourselves. They're not our thoughts. We didn't originate the thought. The thought doesn't have to come from us. We don't have to originate the thought for us to be affected by it. Someone can tell us something and we then take the thought on ourselves. Propaganda. P- 
political propaganda, right? Don't need to go on and on about that, but we rehearse the thought. It comes from outside sources, right? We rehearse the thought. The thought becomes a belief. The belief becomes reinforced into reality. Um, and our beliefs then, so our beliefs shape our experiences. But we absolutely have the power to uh, to change our thoughts. So that's sort of the metaphysical aspects. Let's talk about quantum physics. And I'm not a physicist, but I find, I find this really interesting. Think back to physical science. We know that everything, all matter, everything in the universe is made of the same stuff. We call them atoms, right? Atoms are the tiniest part, well, not the tiniest particles, but they're tiny, tiny particles. And the air we breathe is made up of atoms. The chair you're sitting in is made up of atoms. Your body is made up of atoms. Your blood is made up of atoms. The earth is made up of atoms. Our atmosphere, everything is made up of the same stuff, an atom. Okay. Think back to science. We know that the atom has a nucleus, and then it has protons and electrons. And the electrons are charged particles, and they move very, very quickly around the nucleus. And we know that they're moving, so there's vibration. And there's energy in an atom. So much energy that if we break the atom, which is how the atomic bomb was developed, huge amounts of power, of energy, are um, released when we break an atom. This is what everything is made up of. The entire world Everything is made up of atoms with electrons that are moving, vibrating. So therefore, everything is energy. And our thoughts are also vibrational. See where I'm going with this? Our thoughts are vibrational. Quantum physics has proven that... So the atoms... The, the electrons in the atom are moving so much that we never really can say they have a position because they're moving so quickly. So they're never in any one place long enough to be in a position. They're moving that fast. However, quantum physicists have discovered that when we're observing the atom... It behaves differently. Then those particles actually have position. And it's the only time they do. So atoms behave differently when they're being observed. I had a friend who was a physics professor at Mills College in Oakland, California. And we were having dinner together one night. And I asked him about this because I'd read about it. And he, David, um, he's passed away, but David was a true scientist and really not interested in anything spiritual. Uh, you know, one of those people that if you couldn't prove it, I can't prove God's existence, therefore I'm not going to believe it. Like everything was, you know, mathematical and scientific. And so I asked him, we're having dinner, I said, David, is it true that atoms behave differently when they're being observed? 
I said, I read this recently. Is that true? Do atoms behave differently when they're being observed? And he said, yes, they do. And we're not sure why. So if you think about the fact that your thoughts of a particular, of an uh, observing an atom changes how it behaves, our thoughts then have that power to change things in our physical world. They just do. Um, everything is energy. Our thoughts are energy. We're sending out vibrations all the time. Law of attraction. We've all had this experience. We think about something and then we see it. Or, better yet, I'm thinking about my good friend, Carla. And I think, gosh, I haven't talked to Carla in a long time. I wonder how she's doing. Oh, we used to have so much fun. Oh, wow. Gosh, oh, I, I remember when we were kids, we would laugh. Oh, I really wonder how she's doing. Wow, it's been, it's been forever since I heard from her. And then you'll go to Facebook and you'll have a friend request from Carla. Or the phone will ring and it's her. And we think it's coincidence, but absolutely it's not. Because our thoughts attract, our, our thoughts create our experience. And the more we can hold our thoughts in a particular space and sort of be mindful about how we engage in thought, the more we can then change the circumstances of our lives. I have had, had experiences myself where I've been really, really worried about, you know, I'm self-employed and I've been worried about money and thinking, oh, I haven't had enough clients this week, this month, this bill is due and I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to pay that. And I get worried, worried, worried. And as I, then I look at my bank account and, oh, wow, a bill that I didn't even know I had to pay came out and now I have less money than I thought I did. And I go in this downward spiral, you know, the downward spiral of not having enough. And as soon as I can break that thought and say, wait a second, the universe is created for my abundance, it's created for my well-being. God knows how much my rent is. God will provide for me. And I hold that thought, that space, that um, that love created me like itself. And, and I am a spiritual being and I have this great power. So I'm just going to believe with my entire being that this miracle is going to come. Financial miracle, find me now. Money miracle, find me now. Right? And I'm in that space miraculously it feels like the floodgates open and suddenly I'll get a call and it'll be a great client and I'll end up with more money than I thought. And it's not coincidence. It's my, my thought process thinking into, uh, into this energy field. This energy field is all around us and it's vibrating. It's a creative energy field. It's God, right? So I send my thoughts out into God's mind and God hears those thoughts and he sends back to me what I'm asking for, as long as I'm holding loving thought. If I hold fear-based thought, God's going to send me back fear-based. Uh, it's going to respond because we are in constant communication with this energy field. Um, so thoughts are powerful. Thought creates form on, on some level. Now let's talk about loving thought and who you are. 
I've said this on a million a million times in my life and on several podcasts. We were all created in the image and likeness of God, and God is love. Why did God create us? So we know that God is formless spirit. God is this great, powerful energy. It's source energy. And in order for God to experience God's self, God created us. The non-physical God needed us to be in physical form so that God could experience himself. And by our being on this physical plane and going through experiences here and learning to love and having new ideas and we're co-creators with God. So as we engage in conversation energetically with God, we cause God to expand. We cause the entire universe to expand. Science has proven that the universe is expanding. It's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. It's expanding. And it's expanding because of the energy we're putting forth. We are in conversation with God. We're expanding the universe. We are here by divine appointment. You are here by divine appointment because when God looked out across this world and wanted to experience himself, he wanted fuller expression of who he is. And again, I'm sorry for using the the male pronoun. Um, It's just my lexicon. When I'm mindful of it, I use, I try not to, but if I do, if I slip up, please forgive me. God wanted to experience God's self in many, many ways. Therefore, God created all of us unique individuals so that God could have a different experience of who God is through you and through me and through everybody. And we're all part of that same energy. God gave us God's spirit. So your unique expression of the divine helps God be more complete. Your activity, your dreams, within this formless substance that everything is made of, are important. They're important to the expansion of God. So your thoughts are powerful, and we create by thought, we create by default all the time. And so to whatever extent we think about the status quo, Right? So if you're looking at your life and you're accepting things as they are, and you're seeing whatever it happens to be and accepting it, you will, con- you will just create more of the same. It's our belief in illness that creates more illness. It's our belief in poverty that creates more poverty. It's our belief in struggle that continues to have a struggle. Your life, you are already living the life of your imagination and the life of your dreams. You're living the life you've imagined for yourself. 
that's why you're living it. It's the life that you think about. To whatever extent you can start to think more expansively and believe in more possibility, that will be your experience. We will never be, do, or have a life that's incongruent with how we see it in our mind's eye. That's 100% true. The people who've achieved greatness, how, you know, as we define greatness, like, for instance, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey talks about the fact that as a young girl, she knew that she would be successful and that she would be somebody. She believed that and it came to pass. Athletes who are very successful athletes see themselves as champions. They have to see that in their mind's eye or it never happens. And the same is true of us. Our thoughts are creating our reality already. And loving thought, love is the most powerful energy available to us. And so the more we can create from a place of loving thought, the more our thoughts are aligned with God. All expressions of love are maximal. And so we start by really loving ourselves, hopefully, and then extending that love out into the world and to everybody and to be in that namaste consciousness that we uh, spoke about a few podcasts ago. Um, I want to share with you some scriptures from the Bible that uh, speak to the power, <clears throat> the power of thought. Um, the first is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And Paul writes in chapter 4, this is starting on verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. God will be with you. God, God is already with us. Right? God's spirit already lives in with lives within us, but it can lie dormant. Right? Um Marian Williamson says that love is an undeletable file in our in our operating system. We just don't always download the file to the screen. Right? We do though, when we think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is gracious and lovely, right? Whatever is excellent. When we think of those things we download that file. Then the second um, scripture is also Paul. This is a letter to Timothy. And he says, For this reason, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but rather of power and love and self-control. God did not give us a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear does not come from God. It comes from the ego mind. It comes from our psyche. It's the, that spirit of fear is what we created ourselves in our limited capacity as humans. 
That's the ego mind. But we also have God's mind. And that's who we are. So God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So whenever you're feeling in that place of feeling lack and feeling downtrodden and depressed and lonely and all of those things, that doesn't come from God. And, and it's not to say we, we feel those things because we're human and, and that's just part of the human experience. But we have the power to rise above that. And sometimes it just takes the moment of, of prayer, of saying, okay, God, let me see things through, through your eyes. Um, love transforms. Love transforms. When we love, we see others as God sees them. We see others as an innocent child of God. We don't see errors, right? God, and God sees us as innocent child. Uh, as an innocent child of God. He sees each of us perfect, whole, and complete. He sees us as he created us. Of course, in a lot of religious traditions, we, we talk about sin. You know, what is sin? And uh, there's this whole notion of hate the sin, but love the sinner. <sighs> Let's put that aside, too, along with spiritual ignorance. Let's put the hate the sinner or hate the sin, love the sinner, that whole notion aside. Because when we say that, oh, I love you, but I hate your sin, it's judgment. Pure and simple, it's judgment. That doesn't come from God. The Course in Miracles says that sin is not a transgression to be punished. God does not seek to punish us for our sins. A lot of, you know, fire and brimstone preaching would say that. And it's like, they make you feel really bad about who you are. No. God sees you as innocent, as an innocent child of God. God sees you as the love he created you to be. We make mistakes. And so those sins, sin is an archery term. It means you missed the mark. You missed the target. So sin is just an error to be corrected. That's it. It's an error to be corrected. It's a momentary hiccup. It's the moment we we entertain loveless thoughts. And we can atone for that by recognizing it and saying, in that moment, and there's no such thing as time. Time is, we experience time on this, this physical plane, but God doesn't. God is outside of time and space. And so when we've made that mistake, the atonement, it's why Catholics go to confession and it's why... Uh, Jewish people celebrate Yom Kippur. It's that moment of going in and recognizing these are the mistakes I made and I want to choose again. And so we, we take advantage of the holy instant and the, the moment of saying, I made a mistake and I recognize it, so I'm going to atone for it. Now that doesn't mean, and it's forgiven. Um, there are natural consequences, of course, and we have to live out those consequences. But only only love is real, and so it's that recognition of this mistake was an, a loveless thought. Um, so the whole notion that, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin, let's get off of that. Let's stop judging one another. Um, it's just a way of s sort of holding yourself apart from somebody else. It, you know, uh, that doesn't come from God. It's the ego mind that convinces us that we are 
um, that we are bad and sinful and that we are wrong. Um, and those attack thoughts that come from um, the ego mind and we judge other people and, and because all minds are connected and there's only one of us here, when I judge you, I'm actually judging myself as well because I cannot, I cannot say anything about my brother or sister that isn't also true of me. And, uh, you know, thinking about when I'm pointing a finger, I have three more fingers pointing back at me. It's absolutely true. Whatever whatever attack thought I have t toward you, it feels bad when I have attack thoughts. When I'm angry at somebody or lash out in a vicious way, it feels bad. Why does it feel bad for me? Because as I'm attacking you, there's a sword pointed, you know, hanging over my head. Literally. Figuratively, right? Um, there's a sword hanging over my head. I can't attack you without also attacking myself. We're all connected. So, love accepts, uh, moves us to accept people uh, radically, uh, to accept others wholeheartedly, regardless of who they are, what they look like. You know, I uh, often say that I want to live in a, a world of radical acceptance of myself and others, and I think that's um, a really, really great way of trying to live. It's difficult because we're human. Um, but, uh, so let me just, uh, I'm going to go through this list with you that I created because this is sort of how, when we're thinking about love-based thought, which is the creative thought, the great energy, staying in that place of being really focused on love and remembering who we are, um, like waking up every morning and just acknowledging that God's spirit moves in me. I am spirit in a body. That's why meditation is so powerful, because we get very quiet and we just allow ourselves to be true presence. We just become consciousness, right? If we can get to that place where we're very quiet and sort of transcending our normal, uh, we transcend and become just consciousness. And in that place, we're so united with God. And it doesn't happen but for a brief second. But if you wake up in the morning and you can just allow yourself to remember, I'm here by divine appointment. Um, God created me so that God could know more of who God is. God sent me out into this, sent me to this place. He brought me here because my dreams are important. And whatever I am experiencing on this mortal plane, I can rise above it because I am not of this mortal plane. I'm in the world, but not of the world. Right? I am a, be a heavenly being. I'm having this life experience and it's temporary. This too shall pass. This, I'm looking at my bank account and there are fewer dollars in there than I want to have. I'll be grateful for the, what I have and I will just trust that God knows my rent. God knows how much my rent is. God knows what I need. And I'll just let that God energy flow through me. And as I let it flow through me, what I need will, will, will flow through me. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of love. 
and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything you need will come to you if you think first about love. So, how does love-based thoughts show up? So, here we go. Remember, fear is an illusion. Love is real. So, these are sort of opposites. And one is the love-based thought. The other is the fear-based. And I'm just going to go through the list. Blessing versus curse. How many times do we go through our lives and say, Oh, I'm cursed. I just, I'm cursed. No, you're not. You're blessed. You're blessed. If you believe you're cursed, you are. That's what you'll attract. But we know that God created us to be blessed. He created us to live in unity, not in division. He created us to be abundant, to experience abundance rather than scarcity. Prosperity, prosperity versus poverty. We were created for connection, not separateness. Cooperation, not competition. Mercy, rather than blame. Innocence, not guilt. Forgiveness, not condemnation. We were created for freedom, not for bondage. We were created to, to, share, uh, to treat others with admiration, not with jealousy. Gratitude instead of greed. We're to think of possibility rather than despair. Peace, not violence. Equality as opposed to racism. Calm and contentment rather than anger and resentment. Joy and not misery. When we have, when we live in a place of loving thought, we really live from a place of reverence and respect for everything. For the planet, for one another, for our talents, the things that God has given us, our talents, the talents of others. I challenge you to take a week and to live in reverence of everything around you. And even in this time, I think it's really, you know, this COVID-19 um, pandemic, it's scary. But it's made us sort of slow down a bit. Um, and, and maybe become more aware. So, you know, we can't go out and do all the things we're doing. We can't be super busy. And, you know, we have to, we're slowing down a bit. And, you know, I walk my dogs and there are days when I'm just looking around at the trees and just sort of in awe of the beauty of these trees, these living beings that are so tall and majestic and alive and they're growing and they um, help us, they give us oxygen, they give us shade, um, the beauty of clouds, just take some time to be in reverence and awe of God, 
and all that God created and realize that you're part of that creation and you're also co-creator with that same divine energy. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say. So, let's just have a moment of prayer. Oh God, we thank you. We give you gratitude that you loved us so much that you created us so that you could experience who you are through us. We thank you that our dreams, our aspirations, those things we desire, those, those desires of our heart, we thank you that those, those aspirations, those desires, those dreams come from you and they are opportunities for us to participate in the expansion of the universe and the expansion of everyone's awareness of who you are. We ask that you would bless us, that you would hold us close to, to your side, that you would help us to see in one another how amazing how beautiful, how awesome you are. And so it is. Together we say, Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Find something to celebrate. Bye-bye. <laughs>